4. When you get there, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. And I'm going to read the first seven verses, and then we'll remain standing for prayer. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodias and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. May God bless His word to us. Please bow with me in prayer. Our God, we rejoice today again that you've given us another a day of life, uh, a, another gift. You're so good to us. You just pour out your bountiful, blessing, bountiful blessings on us. And Lord, I pray today as we bask in the light of the gospel and your word and your presence that you would truly bless the word of God and help us to rejoice in you. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd help us as believers in our relationship with you, to recognize the battle that we face every day so that we might bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, so we might maintain that daily walk with you despite all the pressures, despite all the uh, fiery darts of the wicked one to try to pull us away from fellowship with you. I pray, Father, that you would help me today to equip the saints, the church, to walk with you and to be built up and equipped in the faith. And Lord, for those that are online or even here that have never made professions of faith, they've not been born again. Now, they may have religion, but they've never experienced a new birth. We pray that today would be their day of salvation. Oh, how important that is to be genuinely born again. And Lord, we ask your blessing in all these matters. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Oh, yeah, you have cancer? He had cancer. You lost a child. You lost someone. He did. And you and I, we are challenged to rejoice in the Lord always. And so as I sat back from that email, and I realized, you know, I wasn't going to change the email totally and say, my dad's doing great. Everything's awesome. We're all, you know. No, that, that's not reality. But I can give the bad news but still glorify God and rejoice in the Lord. And so I added a phrase, a magical phrase, you know. After I put all the bad news, I said, but God is really good, something like that. And I don't know how he, you know, uh, perceived it, but no matter what you and I are going through, our God is always good, and we can rejoice in the Lord always, as we are commanded to do. Now, what we're going to do tonight, to this morning... Next Sunday is Mother's Day, so we're going to stop everything and honor our moms and moms. You know, we're just going to 
bask in the blessing. If you have a mother and that she's still alive, or even if you had a mother, mothers are awesome. And mothers have, my mom, a rock in my life, a great role model. So we're going to do that next week. And then the following week, we'll pick up with this rejoice in the Lord always. Because I want to spend a good amount of time in Philippians. Because Paul, just in the book of Philippians, had the perfect balance. God, When God says rejoice in the Lord always, he's not telling us, bury your head in the sand and pretend there's no problems. He's not saying that. That'd be foolish. You know, the, and, and that's one of the dangers of the, the uh, prosperity gospel uh, is the idea that, you know, we should always be happy and, you know, just always be positive, never say anything negative. That's not reality. That's not healthy. But it is important that you and I realize there is, there is a way for us to give thanks in everything. There is, it is possible to rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what you're going through. And Paul was a perfect example of that. Let's just look at Philippians. Are you in the book? Do you have your open, you have your open Bible? Do you have your Bible open to Philippians? You know what Philippians is? It's one of the prison epistles. Say, what's that mean? That means Paul wrote this from prison. Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, and Philemon are the the, uh, prison epistles. And so Paul's writing this from prison. So imagine if you got arrested for preaching the gospel and you were, you know, detained one way or another and they're not exactly sure what part of uh, Paul's imprisonment in Rome uh, there were several times where he was incarcerated or, or, you know, his freedom was limited. But imagine that you're in prison, you're captive, and you have to write a letter to a bunch of believers. How easy it would for that to be a negative letter. Like, oh, please pray for me. Oh, things are just so bad. I don't think I'm going to last. I don't think I can make it. If I don't have your prayers, I'm doomed. Please feel bad for me. Please moan with me. You know, in fact, I was thinking uh, there's a character, a cartoon character that has embodied the spirit of negativity, uh, and his name is Eeyore. Now, maybe you younger people, I'm not sure, is, is Winnie the Pooh even on TV anymore, the cartoon? The, I don't think so, but if you. If, what's that? You would, oh, really, the version? I'm imagining, right, if he is. But, but, I mean, Eeyore was a love, loving character, but he was, you know, everything. He just complained all the time. And he had a, you know, a tone like, oh, my, you know. And, and uh, it's so easy because some Christians could be, their middle name could be Eeyore. Because all they do is complain. And it's, and it's easy. I find the longer you live on this earth, the easier it is to become Eeyore. Amen, you old folks, with me, right? You know, just to, just to, oh, woe is me. I got so many aches and pains and this problem and that problem. And it's so easy to have the spirit of Eeyore. Well, Paul could have done that. He's writing from prison. And he's got all kinds of things. And yet this is the, this is the book that influenced him to talk about rejoicing in the Lord. 
How can that be? The same way it's possible for you and I, through our fiery trials, to rejoice in the Lord. In fact, that's what God expects. That's what God enables us to do. So we're going to take two weeks, 20 minutes now until I'm done here, and then we'll pick up in two weeks and finish it after I remind you everything I said this morning so we can pick up on it. But my goal is that you and I would understand how good we have it, no matter how bad we have it. If you're a believer, you have got so much to be thankful for, no matter what your lot in life is. And and I could say, if you're in America, living in America, you've got so much to be thankful for as far as prosperity, but we're not talking about prosperity. We are talking about if you're saved, you're a Christian, no matter where you're living, those online, You and I can still rejoice in the Lord always. So let's jump in. I want you, we're going to go through this this book little by little, inch by inch by the art. It's hard. A patch song comes in my mind, and maybe that'll happen. I'll just go with my patch references as they come. Um, But Philippians chapter 1. Remember, Paul's in jail. He's in prison, and he's writing to them. And he's, uh, you know, he starts off very positive. Verse 2, grace be unto you, the greetings and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does he say in verse 3? Remember what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And what's he doing? Verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He's starting off on a positive note, thanking the Lord always. Always what? Complaining? No. Always giving thanks. In every prayer of mine, uh, uh, mine for you all, making requests with joy. Paul, where's Paul? Did I tell you where Paul was when he wrote this letter? He's in prison. Let's not forget that. You know, there's a lot of people that will constantly remind us of how bad their situation is. Don't be like that. Paul's in prison. And yet, he's not telling them throughout this letter, hey, by the way, did I tell you I'm in prison right now? No, he's saying, I'm so thankful continually for your fellowship, verse 5 in the gospel, from the first day until now. So Paul's sitting there, maybe in handcuffs, maybe in chains, and he's thinking about these believers in Philippi, and he's just, up till that point, he's, oh, those wonderful people, they've been such a blessing to me. In that scenario and we need to do the same and then look at verse 6 being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of christ jesus i sure hope no he says that's what's going to happen and now jump down to verse uh to verse 12 because here's what we're going to see in the next this message again and then two weeks we're going to see that paul is is sharing various circumstances that are not favorable, unfavorable, bad situations. He mentions throughout this letter, and yet, in the context of each one, he's challenging God's people to rejoice in the Lord always. And I want to tell you something. If you, have not been, if you are not practiced 
and rejoicing in the Lord always. I really want you to work on that by God's grace. I'm not telling you, you know, that you can do it. You've got it within yourself. I'm telling you that by God's grace, you and I can rejoice in the Lord always. By God's grace, you and I can give thanks in everything. But it will not come natural. So look what Paul says in verse 12. But, remember remember we looked at um, in Numbers 13, where the, this, in fact, Charlie talked about that this morning, the 12 spies that went and to assess their circumstances that were ahead of them, and they came back with two different reports. Ten of them were bad, and two of them were good. Uh, but it started off good. They said, you know, when they were given the report, they said, yes, it's a land that flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit thereof. It's, it's wonderful. And then they said, but. This was not Joshua and Caleb. This was the ten that were bad. They said, but. The, the cities are walled, there's giants in there, and they took on the Eeyore spirit. So they acknowledged the blessing, but then they focused on the challenges. Now, our challenge is to do what Joshua and Caleb did. Acknowledge the, the challenges, but focus on the blessing. So when the 12 spies in Numbers 13 said, but, or nevertheless, they were basically downplaying all the blessings and ready to just have a woe is me party. And if you're not careful, that's where your mind will go. Your mind will go on the woe is me no matter how many blessings you have. And now Paul is doing this. He just he talked about some uh, at, uh, bad situations. He's in prison, and he's about ready to address that because he realizes there is the need for, um, there's the need for God's grace. Look at verse 12. But, so here we have a nevertheless. What's Paul going to do? Focus on the bad or moan? Or moan about the bad or focus on the good. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me, i.e. my imprisonment, my being in prison, for, for what? For preaching the gospel. He says, I would you should understand that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather. He's saying, don't be down. Don't focus on the negative. These things, they have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a great thing. So that in my bonds, in prison, in captivity, in my bonds, in Christ, my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And, I mean, he's... He's, you know that song, Count Your Many Blessings? Name them one by one, and it will what? Surprise you what the Lord hath done. Why would it surprise us? Because that's not where we naturally go. Am I right? We naturally go into the Eeyore spirit. I'm going to probably mention Eeyore a lot during this series here. But that's our tendency, is to go that way. But count your many blessings, name them one by one means consciously think about the good things, the blessings, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And that's exactly what's Paul doing, what Paul is doing. He's counting his blessings. One of them is it's fallen out. <laughs> Me in prison, who would have thought 
the gospel's going forth big time, big blessing. And verse 14, many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds. In other words, they see my imprisonment and they're, now they're much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. And he's going to talk about that and we're going to go through this whole epistle because he's constantly bringing out the obstacles, the challenges, the negative, the bad situations. And then he's saying, rejoice in the Lord. And again, we need to do the same thing. We need to rejoice in the Lord in all things. In fact, let's just jump in right in for this first one. And we'll probably do the next ones uh, next time. Look at verse 15. So he's, he's been talking about, you know, here I am in prison and, you know, it has fallen out rather. In other words, look at, it, look at how circumstances played out. And, and that idea is, that idea in, um, in verse 12. What's happened to me? My imprisonment. It's like Paul is saying, Paul is acknowledging Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good. It says all things work together for good. Remember Joseph? All kinds of bad things happen to Joseph. And in Genesis 40-50, to 50, think it, uh, when God turns it around, his brothers, boy, talk about Dirty, you know, somebody doing something very evil to you. His brothers were so filled with hatred and cruelty and hurtful things. They wanted him killed. And if it weren't for the intervention of one brother, he would have been killed. Boy, that's family love, isn't it? And, and instead, you know, he ends up in prison because his brothers betrayed him. And then they went and covered it to the dad. And then God... That, you know, like if Joseph could talk, he could say, I want you to know that my brother's doing me dirty has fallen out rather to the deliverance of God's people, Israel. Because that's what happened. And when, when it was all said and done, and God totally turned the tables around, and his brothers realized that, wow, this guy that we betrayed, our brother, that we just left for dead and really didn't want anything to do with him, is now one of the most powerful men in Egypt. We're starving our family doesn't have food. We're coming to the, the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, and this guy that holds the power of all the food in the land is the one that we betrayed. Can you imagine that? They must have been so scared. I imagine uh, that they were sweating. They had sweaty palms at least uh, when they realized, you know, this is Joseph. He could have just said the word and they would have all been killed. And, and, Joseph, would have, and Joseph could have said, Ah, the Lord pays back karma, you know, if he believed that, but he didn't. In fact, what did Joseph say when they were scared to death? And I'm sure there was some pleasure there in seeing how God had turned things around. He said, as for you, you thought you meant evil against me, but God meant it unto good. That's Romans 8.28. That's what Paul's doing right here in Philippians chapter 1. You see, God, you know, Paul says, this, the things that have happened to me have fallen out rather. He's saying, there is a God that's in charge and is sovereign. That's what he's saying. There's a God that calls the shots. And you and I must never forget that. Remember Ruth? For who know, or, uh, Mordecai, Uncle Mordecai said to Ruth, For who knows if, you, you know, if you're not, I forget, I'm forgetting the wording, but 
uh, if you were not born for such a time as this. In other words, there's somebody, folks, behind the, behind the scenes pulling the strings and working things together. And you and I don't always have the answers. And we, we don't always know uh, why this has happened to us. John, we don't usually take questions during the message. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, what I say. Thank you. Yeah. Some of you were shaking your heads like you knew exactly what I was talking about. So it was Esther. Thank you, John, for correcting that. Uh, my, my family is always usually on me, but they wait till after. So, but that's good. So anyway, think of Esther. She's realizing there's, you know, there is someone behind the scenes. There is purpose even in you, Esther, being born. So Uncle Mordecai did, never said that to Ruth, said it to Esther, that you know what? You, who knows whether you were ordained for such a time as this. That's God all the way, is it not? Do you realize there is a God working behind the scenes in your life? He, according to Ephesians 1, works things, all things, after the counsel of his own will. That means the good and the bad. He's orchestrating it all. It's a, I don't know how he does it. Uh, he does it for his glory. In fact, the Bible says um, even the wicked God has created even the wicked for the day of judgment. I mean, everything. God is in charge. And you and I can rest in that when we don't know what's going on. When we feel the effects of sin, the sting of sin, and all the things that happen as a result of the curse. Uh, And so you and I won't always know. Job didn't know always what was going on in his life. And so here's Paul recognizing that, you know, we can rejoice in the Lord always. And, and now verse 15. Here's verse 15. He just said, Many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So the gospel was being preached more than it would have if Paul was not in prison. It's like all of a sudden it opened doors. But not all in a good way. I mean, there were some people that were preaching and finding courage because they saw that Paul was willing, I assume, to suffer for the gospel. And just Paul being in prison and still rejoicing in the Lord that gave them confidence to now preach the word. By the way, we need to be an example in word and deed. I find um, that people that are soul winners, uh, I need to be around those kind of people and, and get inspired a lot of times. Don't you? Some of you, I know, some of you are natural. Some of you are natural. <laughs> and uh, God bless, I, I, need to, I need those kind of people. Don't you? I, uh, we do. But not everybody was preaching the gospel with sincere motives. Look what Paul said in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. How can you preach the gospel with the wrong intentions? What's envy and strife? Oh, it happens all the time. He said in verse 16, the one preached Christ of contention. And the idea of that is uh, it's just a matter of quarreling and arguing, winning an argument. So they preach Christ of contention, not sincerely. And notice now Paul talks about their motives. Supposing to add affliction to my bonds. So Paul's being imprisoned actually inspired some people 
to want to preach the gospel so Paul would have it worse. You say, wow, that's pretty bad. Very bad. The other says, in verse 17, Paul says, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. So there's all kinds of people are now preaching the gospel that wouldn't have preached the gospel if Paul didn't, wasn't suffering for it. Some of them look at Paul and say, I am inspired. I'm going to go preach the gospel and, and take risks. And other people, apparently, were looking and saying, <laughs> I know how I can make it worse for Paul. And they're preaching the gospel. What's Paul's attitude? What could have his attitude been? Lord, I pray that you would bless those that are finding courage from my imprisonment. And I pray that you'd inspire them and give them power that people would get saved and that they would be empowered. And Lord, I pray for those people that are doing it to spite me. Those people that are doing it insincerely, without proper motives. I pray, Father, you judge them. Stop them in their tracks. He could have had that attitude. If it was all about Paul. But it wasn't all about Paul. It was all about Christ and the gospel. Notice what Paul's response was. Verse 18, Philippians 1.18. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, by the way. And he says, And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. You know, there was a lot of people that claimed that Paul was doing it. He was just in it for the money. And he was just in it to make a name for himself. And he really did not care. He was so selfishly motivated. He did not care genuinely about other people. And this proves them wrong. If Paul was only interested in his reputation or not getting his feelings hurt, he would not have that attitude that, you know what? Praise the Lord, the gospel is going out. For whatever reason, even those people that are doing it in spite of me, there's other people that are hearing the gospel. And you know what this told us? Paul thought it was all about the gospel. Not people, not himself, not vengeance. It shows you that Paul was, he was magnifying the gospel and saying, people need to hear this message. This is what's important. It's all about the gospel. What a, and so he said, again, therein do I rejoice. Christ is preached, no matter what the reasons. And I rejoice, yea, and he genuinely meant that. Even if it meant his imprisonment, he was rejoicing in the Lord. So Philippians 1.18 is uh, the first time we're going to see where he talks about rejoicing. Again, uh, he says, not, what then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I do, therein do rejoice, yea, and I will rejoice. As we continue this theme the following week, um, we're going to look at, again, we're going to look at so many examples here just in the book of Philippians about the challenge. We're going to see bad situations. And we're going to see that in every one of those contexts, we have the exhortation to rejoice. But we're also going to see and I'm going to go back to this because this is what I want to answer. My thought, when I remember when I was sending the email to my pastor, you know, and I thought, oh, this is so negative. And, and, and I started thinking about that phrase, rejoice in the Lord always. And I thought, 
Is there ever a place for us, scripturally speaking now, is there ever a place for us to complain without it not being wrong? Is there ever a context where you and I can complain, gripe a little, bring, you know, bring our burdens to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not having an easy time of it. I want to tell you something. As a pastor, um, and, and many of you have in different ministries, if you have a ministry or you're, whatever your position is, maybe as a parent, you realize that uh, you are an adult, you are the spiritual one, and you need to be strong for your kids, you need to be strong for others. And as a pastor, that's true. As a pastor, that is very true. Um, you know, I, it, I can't make it about me. There's times, so many times when people are hurting, and I may be hurting. And, and, and so, as a pastor, if you ask me how I'm doing, and I mean this by God's grace, if you ask me on a given Sunday, how you doing, I'll, I'll probably say I'm doing well. The worst I'll say is I'm hanging in there, or to quote the librarians, I'm trying. <laughs> you know, and there's been some times where I've quoted Ma Lucy or Ma Ajwar, you know, I'm trying. But, you know, basically we're saying, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. And uh, I heard a, a little video clip that was, there's been this new series uh, on YouTube uh, to the pastor. Little short videos, five minutes, three minutes, from pastors that minister to pastors. Uh, man, it's been a blessing to me. And one of them, this person that was being interviewed, was talking to pastors, and she and the title was this: "Are you really okay? Are you really okay?" And because um, this person ministers to pastors all the time, and pastors, you know, if you're a pastor, you always have to be okay. You can never. I mean, can you imagine coming to church, pastor? How you doing? Oh, you got a minute? Oh my goodness, things are so bad. It's horrible. I did, can you imagine that? You know, well, I'm not coming here again. You know, ministry is building up others and. And so there's some degree, so, so I ask you, is it ever wrong? Or is, it, is there ever a place for us to, to kind of pour out our heart and, and say, no, you know, Lord, things aren't okay right now. And we're going to look next, not, not next week, the week after. We are going to look at one of the Psalms where God, this is what I love, you know. My perspective, the perspective tends to be in our circles is that Christianity is all about following the formulas, you know. And there's a formula in the Bible for everything. It's the way the, the, way the medical profession today kind of addresses our problems that we deal with symptoms, you know. And it's like, if you do the right formula, here's a verse, take the formula and you'll be fine. And we tend to approach Christianity that way, that the Bible's just filled with formulas so you won't have any problems. Is that what Christianity is all about? Or isn't it more, folks, a relationship, walking with God? Folks, there's sometimes when it's not about the formula. Now, if you're sowing to the flesh and you're reaping from that, there's, you know, there's some instruction that can help you. But if you see it all as, you know, this is the formula for this, this is the formula, you're forgetting the key thing of Christianity, folks. It's a relationship with God. It is a relationship with God. And I submit to you, we have a place where God strips away all that surface stuff. Here's what he says. 
pour out your heart to me. You know what that means? Are things really okay? Well, Lord, to be honest, I haven't told anyone this because, you know, I'm busy giving to others. It's, Lord, no, it's not okay. And we have a place where we can do that. Anytime, day or night, God invites us, pour out your heart to me. Forget all, you know, forget the, you know, rejoice in the Lord always as far as, you know, Giving a smile. We talked, I learned many years ago, there's something called a ministry smile. Sometimes you smile not because you feel like it, but you want to be a blessing to others. That's why I don't break down in tears every week. And by the way, I'm, I'm doing fine. I, you know, God is so good to us. Uh, so it's not like, wow, pastor, I think something's going on behind the scenes. You know, God is so good. He really is. But I, I'm learning more and more, folks. There are times when I got to go to the Lord and say, you know what, Lord? I'm not Okay. And then I just, what's he say? He invites us, pour out your heart to me. What an, and because of that, because of that, you and I can rejoice in the Lord always. Let's pray. Father, help us as we go through this, uh, the book of Philippians, two days, and help us to realize, Father, that it is possible for us to be uh, in all things to give thanks, uh, not meaning that we're always going to feel thankful or that we're always going to be glad for some of the things that you allow in our lives. Uh, Lord, thank you that by your grace we can rejoice in the Lord always, whether it's losing an eye to cancer or any of the sundry things that you allow your people to go through to show yourself strong to them. Help us, Lord. Help us to learn this lesson that we might glorify you. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen.